Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can follow me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also follow me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Lance. I'm the host and founder of The Night Nerd. You can find me anywhere on the internet. Just look for The Night Nerd. I also produce... Our other shows on the network, which is Blah Blah Comics, Blah Blah Curse Words, Title Indicates Meaning, and the reason I'm here is because we also do a show called Assembling the Avengers, where our crew puts together Marvel's The Avengers one minute at a time, just like you guys are doing. Yeah, except with the DC Cinematic Universe. So, yeah. almost cousins in a sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I'm having... Like, like doing Man of Steel minute by minute is has been a whole blast for both of us. I, I would say, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's been a great time. So, um, so today on Man of Steel, we are talking about minute number sixty one. Um, but before we do that, I have to read off a review that we got on iTunes, which is a thing we're doing now. Um, and this one comes from this person's name is a bunch of gibberish. I'm sorry, I'm butchering it, but I'm just gonna call you DJ Bay because that's what the <laughs> last few letters say, and that's all I could get out of it. Uh, the title of the review says DC Positivity. It says gotta support all DC EU podcasts, and this is another favorite of mine. So thank you for that five star review, DJ Bay. <laughs> and today on Man of Steel, we're talking about number sixty one, and it starts with Martha Kent awestruck by the fact that Clark has found his true origin and then the minute ends with Martha reassuring Clark that she has complete faith in him so it's a huge Martha minute Mar- welcome back to Martha minute. yeah and welcome back to Martha minute uh, <laughs> uh, so here it's yeah it's a very good minute for uh, Diane Lane uh, her delivery lines are on point um, but there's a lot of you know a lot of I, I, I gotta say I don't know if Zack Snyder is, I don't want to say like he's an actor's director, but they do a really good job of um, directing these actors to, to do a lot of things like non-verbally that, that really sell the scene and the um, the performances between both Cavill and Lane in, in this minute, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you can definitely tell that it's, it, yeah. it is a, a mother-son relationship. Yeah. The, driving the, home. Yeah, you don't feel like a disconnect, like you don't feel like... There's no awkwardness. Yeah. It just feels, it feels believable. Um, she's really happy for him in this moment, but it's almost like not a happy moment for her. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Um, she, um, I guess with finding out your two parents, that I guess there's some questioning going on in her mind or she feels like uh, at a loss of value. Yeah. Um, but I do like henry's kind of smile and laugh because he notices that and like um because martha has like turned away as soon as she's like done being happy for him because she's like so emotional right now Mm -hmm. but like he's kind of smiling and laughing about it because he knows exactly what's bothering her like he knows already like what's eating away at her and he thinks it's silly because you know that's just typical mothers to kind of overreact that way yeah i mean she's not wrong well, I, I read this scene kind of differently because, you know, that's uh, what, what's neat about this part is in, you know, the last 10, 12 minutes of the movie or so, he's had interactions with Jor-El. He has the flashback uh, with Jonathan, and now he's talking to his mom, so he's kind of gone over all of his parents. But, 
you know, she makes a comment of, oh, you know, talking about taking, uh, she's afraid that they'll take him away. And he just kind of laughs. And to me, I kind of came across as, you know, I'm, I'm Superman. They're not going to take me away. I, I do what I want. Don't worry, mom. We're, they can't stop me. And, you know, a little bit on the compassion side you know, that he's still telling, you know, don't worry about it, but more so in a sense of what are they going to do? They can't stop me. And uh, that, that's kind of the read I got off of it. Okay. So, so his, he's kind of just laughing it off because he's basically invulnerable. Like there's no one who can like physically just take him away or anything. Yeah. Um, is that what you got out yeah, of especially, it? Me? Yeah. yeah. Especially. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I got out of it was just kind of like, she's not wrong to have these feelings. Um, I didn't really take into consideration um, Clark's demeanor through it all, where he's kind of like happy-go-lucky, brush it off, really. It seemed more of like the focus was more on Martha, where she's right with having these feelings. Like, you know, she's scared that, that, um, you know, she's meaningless now that he found his, uh, technically, I guess, his purpose, his his real, his, his calling, you know, he found his people, he found his parents, like, I think we said it last week in minute 60 where he utters the phrase, you know, I found my parents were like that probably just was just a knife right into Martha Kent's heart <laughs> at that moment. So, I mean, but that's just me. That's, that's me thinking like, oh man, she's got to feel like so down right now. <laughs> and, um, Clark's not really reassuring her until i guess later on in the minute and into next or into tomorrow's minute but but yeah it's um uh, i didn't really catch the uh the smile and laughter and i guess that should be a a main point um you know especially for our main character he uh he's smiling and and laughing as soon as she turns away yeah so i feel like he's just like immediately like oh come on like don't be silly like i know you know don't be like that and if it, if it wasn't Zack Snyder, I would totally buy the compassion. But this movie is, you guys, you know, I've talked about it on your show before, how it is a darker, scarier, almost, Superman, and how he's rough around the edges, and he's not the Boy Scout that we, you know, that we saw with George Reeve, Christopher Reeve, um, Brendan Routh, even Tom Welling, that this Superman is a little more... I don't want to say like a bad man pajama, but you know he, he's like I said he's not the Boy Scout. It's the best and way. That's to why descri- it kind of. <laughs> it's the best way to describe someone. Yeah, uh, without you know keeping it G-rated and stuff. That's, but that's you know that's why I got the cocky vibe is because if it was Boy Scout Superman, I can totally see him empathizing and saying, "Hey, mom, it's it's going to be okay. I love you. Let's let's go make some cookies and walk the dog and." everything will be fine but Zack Snyder's Superman is more I'm gonna punch anybody that comes and tries to take me yeah hmm see I kind of get I don't know I'm not trying to disagree with you I just feel like I feel like a Boy Scout Superman would be the the cocky one like oh it's okay I can't move like if they try to move me so yeah I don't know that's just but I can see what you're saying because it's almost like this is the first time in the film that we're seeing Clark be this like like mother's boy you know like this is the first time in the film and we're already like an hour in and it's like the first time we've seen him just be a normal guy you know like the whole movie we've seen him like on the road 
like scruffy looking, uh, questioning everything. Um, there, like what little flashbacks we have gotten already, um, or not little, there've been a lot of flashbacks, but like what we've gotten so far, he is very like either confrontational or, uh, confused. So this is, and, and we kind of noticed this with the, with the last minute with like the shots of Kansas and everything. Like it's such a, it's such a takeaway from all the, uh, grittiness from the rest of the world. Like this is like the most peaceful scene and yeah. it comes like an hour in. Yeah. So I can see that as like, people are like watching it. Like, like they're just now getting, um, I don't want to say classic Superman, but like, um, very Smallville. Sunny. Clark. Yeah. It's like, this is, yeah, yeah this is our first happy go lucky Clark. Who's, yeah hanging out with his mom and like just trying to you know we're we're given this like mother son scene that to me is really i i really enjoy the scene but like yeah if you're seeing it after you know you've seen so much chaos already and we're going to see so much more chaos in the film that um we don't know what to think of this film yet because we haven't seen this side of clark this is our first time seeing it um it actually might be the only time that we in, in this, in this that one? we get this this amount of sunny disposition out of the entire movie. Um, um, I mean, I guess we did it at the very end, end yeah. At the like very the, end. the the you know eight year old Clark or whatever he was with the with the towel on his back, but that's just like a flashback. But yeah. like this is like actual. There's dialogue. You get a feel for it because everything else, even you think about it when you know uh, his every other flashback has been almost not a sad it's just a moment. Struggle. It's a struggle, but I mean that would be the point of a flashback. Like, what you, there's there's no purpose to have a flashback if it's just going to be like, oh look at him having a great time. Like, yeah, exactly, it needs to because yeah. every flashback prior has been something that uh, alludes to what's going on in, in the present. Yeah. Um. So they they are important, and yes, they only show struggles. But now we're in the present time, and this is his first happy moment. Mm-hmm. Well, happy moment with like his Kent family. I mean, um, what were you going to say? Were you going to say happy moment with Lois Lane? No, he has a happy moment when he's flying and he's just discovered his origin. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so okay. we just had all that. Um, but I, I, I guess you could take it either way. Like, yeah, maybe he is laughing. Well, see, when he laughs about Diane or when Martha's like, oh, I'm just afraid they were gonna take, they're going to take you away. She says it like not past tense. She says it like present tense. Like, yeah. I'm just scared they're going to take you away. So I can see him laughing about that, about being invulnerable. Um, but when he's laughing and smiling about her just turning away, I think that was more of like, a, oh, calm down. It's like, don't don't be like that. Like You're still my mom. Yeah, yeah. you're always going to be my mom. Yeah, and you know, I, I see both sides. You know, I, I see what y'all are saying too. Because again, this goes back to Goyer and Snyder and everybody is, it the for better or worse it can be read both ways you know that's the the good and bad thing about a lot of their stuff um especially in the dceu is somebody can watch you know half the people watch it and they see this half the people watch it and they see that uh, a third half which is not mathematically possible <laughs> but they still watch it and they see something completely different so you know it it because like you said tonally it is just like a 
slap in the face almost. I don't, well, yeah. a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and yeah. you're just kind of like, okay, this is. We just watched him fly around for eight minutes, being happy, and now this, and then, oh wait, no, we're back into grim and gritty, and so it is a nice kind of break. You know, it, it's almost. It comes from out of left field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, but there's actually a line earlier in the minute that I wanted to ask your opinion about because she because uh, I called it while I was researching you know watching this minute I kept calling this minute the super asthma minute because she talks <laughs> about watching him while he's in bed and he had trouble breathing and you know this is something that in the movie they kind of differ but in his original comics origin you know from as a baby that he had his super strength and super some of his super abilities yeah and you know in the film you can, it's different points of his life you know with the flashbacks and the non-linear storytelling you can't really pin i mean you can pinpoint ages on when some powers developed and things I, but i don't ever remember reading a story and I'm fairly well versed in Superman comics, I would like to think, where as a kid, you know, he was a runt and he had trouble with things. Uh, because even Jor-El at the first of the movie, you know, Russell Crowe talks about how the sun will affect his basically his whole genetic makeup. So even though he might not have powers at a young age, I would think he would still be a pretty healthy kid. Um, and I just wanted to ask what you guys thought as far as the whole. When does his when do his powers kick in, and does the sun affect him? You know, is it a puberty thing like it is in some stories, or where do you guys thought about that? Uh, yeah. Um, well, going through a minute that happens later on in the film when I, I think I talked talked about it, a, you know, a couple minutes ago, but it's not. It doesn't happen until later on in the film. It's when Zod is arguing with the ghost of Jor El on the scout ship. And Jor-El's trying to say, uh, you know, both humans and Kryptonians can exist on Earth. You know, we can make it peaceful, yada, yada. And Zod quickly comes back with a saying, and what, have them suffer through years of pain and torture like you did with your son? So I think it is a puberty thing. Um, You're right with going back to, like, uh, of course, his original origin and everything where he was a baby. He was lifting up cars and and whatnot. So it didn't seem like he had trouble. He didn't have super asthma. Um, but I've brought it up before. There's, um, the Max Landis comic book, American Alien, which is a really good book. And it shows, um, it shows different points in Clark's life from when he was a young kid to all the way up until pretty much present time when he's like in his late twenties, early thirties. Um, and it does show him kind of like how we saw it in the beginning of Man of Steel, where he does get his powers, like they, they come and go. Um, there's one story out of that book, um, that he was, I think it was his first time flying. Um, he just up and lifted up off the ground and then he couldn't get down off the air. He didn't know how to land. So Jonathan Ken had to run down the street to the guy that owned a crop dusting plane and like hook up some sort of pole with the hook on it and try to fly, you know, next to Clark and try to hook him to try to bring him down, (laughs) which is pretty silly. And, um, but like, it seems like the more, um, 
I guess the more stories evolve in DC Comics and with the the retelling of Superman's origin, they've moved away from him being an infant when he's already immediately affected by the yellow sun radiation. Um, Jor-El does say, like, you know, his, his cells will drink it in, so that kind of is implying that throughout the years he's building up this power. So it does make a little bit more sense that he would have the super asthma as a kid because, you know, his physiology, especially like being that infant when he comes to Earth, he's auto, you know, that space pot opens. He's automatically hit with this environment that he's not used to, you know, probably inside inside little baby spaceship. uh, Mm -hmm. It was probably, you know, adapted to Kryptonian physiology, like how the Black Zero is later on in the movie. Yeah, because he's like born like on Krypton and. Like, just trying to think of, like, a baby being born, like, it's already trying to learn how to breathe on, like, where it is right now, like, coming, like, straight out of the oven, and then it's, like, then you take it, put it in a spaceship, send it light years to another planet, enter a new atmosphere, and then, like, it's trying to, like, it's still trying to learn how to breathe on Krypton at this point, and so it's, like, all of a sudden you've changed the whole environment on it, like, and it just seems more realistic that he would have the years of, of super asthma and, and whatnot. And like how we did see the flashbacks in the beginning where, you know, all of his senses were happening, like, you know, a random day in his classroom. Yeah. So it it seems just more realistic. Like they're just trying to drive that realism home. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and sitting here, you know, (laughs) could, when I, when I talk to myself and think about these things, it's one thing, but hearing other people talk, uh, you know, you, you compare it to War of the Worlds, you know, where our environment, our germs killed them. Exactly. Because it was an alien world. So even then you got the, that you could argue that maybe he is a little bit stronger, but he's overcoming more. So it balances out. And I, I mean, yeah. So sitting here thinking about it from that aspect is maybe he is stronger, but he's fighting more. So it would be it would make sense that he would get, you know, the sniffles and things from time to time. But yeah, yeah, the. It just, uh, personally, I, I agree. I don't think that the Golden Age super baby stories could work in today's comic books. Um, even, like right now, with what they're doing with Super Sons and um, Jonathan Kent, mm-hmm. his son in the comics, is he doesn't have all his powers yet. You know, they're kind of coming and going, popping up randomly. And I think that just makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And it makes makes for better stories, too. Because uh, I think of, I don't know if y'all have read Superman's Secret Identity that came out oh, yeah. a long, 12, 15 years ago. But, you know, it's about a, a guy in our world named Clark Kent. And turns out he has the powers of Superman. The way he finds out is he's out camping and it's a beautiful visual. And he has a dream that he's flying and he wakes up in the middle of the night in the air trapped in a sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, you know, the story you were telling. So I think, you know, the gradual evolution of his powers is something that is more natural. And if you look at um, New 52 Superman, and even to another extent, All-Star Superman, uh, their powers developed as they went on, and, and even Silver Age Superman, as things went on, he got more and more powers. So I think for storytelling-wise, it makes more sense to have it that way. Mm-hmm. It also makes it a little more interesting um, for for readers. So it's like he's not just landing like already like Superman, you know. Like he's yeah. he's got struggles to 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 deal with. So it it, it it makes the readers a little more engaged. And I think actually like it might even help 
readers relate almost because it's like someone could had grow up having asthma or someone could grow up like struggling with with some sort of disability and and maybe seeing their favorite superheroes kind of overcome some things like we're starting to see more realistic ones nowadays where like superheroes have like uh mental disorders and, and whatnot and um and just for readers to be able to relate with that but then still at the same time be inspired by them uh, i think that also is a is a nice thing that goes hand in hand there so oh yeah definitely because you know superman oh i mean and we get into it a little bit in this movie um more later on but the whole god imagery and so knowing that he is flawed you know like you said helps humanize him uh for the viewers and the readers and helps see both sides of the story you know that he's not just this all-powerful i mean he is all-powerful but he's not you know almighty or anything yeah that dynamic is is really neat Mm -hmm. yeah i think what we've talked about uh, recently is just like his um him struggling to make the right decision and and like being sure that it's the right decision so it's like that's something that's that's nice for people to, to be like okay like he's also dealing with like he's struggling with some stuff as well and it's like we can understand that because if like i had to make those decisions you know do i do this or do i do the other you know we don't have superpowers so we can't like we think we can make the right decision but like when it comes time to do that you know we're glad to see that someone else is struggling to make those decisions as well like and i know a lot of people want superman to be the one that like just already knows what to you know like no this is the right like let me do what is expected of me but that kind of takes away from the freedom of choice and you know you know i don't know we get to see the struggle of that i think it's pretty interesting um but you know for some people they want (laughs) just a superman who knows exactly what to do and always does it and i feel like for a story that kind of it's just boring it makes it a little stale makes it a little uh, it makes it almighty, as you would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the minute. Um, yeah, he does. She does bring up the problem that he had trouble breathing, and that she was worried. And uh, here, uh, Clark says, "You're worried that uh, people would find out." And and she immediately is like, "No, not at all. Like that's not what was worrying me." So it's a very different point of view because if you know Jonathan the whole time in this film has been that guy who's yeah. like, you know, they're going to, like, I got to kill that metal urgest guy yeah. make sure no one knows that. Like, I showed him a, a rock with the S symbol on it. And, you know, like, I don't want you to save me from a tornado because, uh, you know, I don't want people to know about you. And, like, I don't want people to find out. Like, it's been this whole thing. She's completely uh, different. She, um, like I said at the, in the beginning of this episode, is like, she has to reassure Clark that she has complete faith in him. And it's it's great that we see that, um, you know, from Martha Kent, uh, because we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. Um, and then, like, she she doesn't have a problem, or she was not worried. She was worried about Clark as a person. She was worried about him. She's not worried about people are going to find, him, find out about him or his powers, because, like, she quotes and she says... The truth about you is that you're beautiful, and one day the whole world would see that. Is her like her hopes would be that one day the whole world would see that? Um, she is worried that. Well, wait. This does it happen in this one? It's oh, it's, it's at the, the very minute. beginning of the next minute. But I mean, it's in continuation. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. spoiler alert. She says uh, 
just afraid that I'm worried that they'll take you away from me. Um, so, but you know, she, she has faith in him and she, she is totally supportive of this character and this being from another planet. Cause in, you know, deep down, like this is her son and he thinks, you know, the exact same way. Like, this is my mother. Like, regardless if I found my parents in my origin, you will always be my mom, which is what I got out of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure yeah. someone out there who no, might disagree with me on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's a really nice scene. But yeah, it, maybe it does come from out of left field. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you brought up the how she feels and how Jonathan feels because I went back and revisited this movie uh, for the show, and it's the first time I watched it in a a long time. Uh, it we'll get into why later on but you know and it made me wonder because in the flashbacks and things it it they're mostly from jonathan's stance and you see you know even the tornado scene you know she's in the back seat with the dog hanging out Mm -hmm. and it's jonathan and clark talking and part of me um as i watched this particular minute multiple times it it made me wonder you know when jonathan was alive did she agree with his stance or disagree? And is it because of his death that she's like, you know, if we would have embraced who Clark was, Jonathan would still be here? You know, and kind of when has that been her mentality the whole time or just since Jonathan passed away? And there's never, I mean, that that I can recall, you know, there's not a really clear cut answer. And even in this scene, you know, she talks about how she's always loved him. So it kind of makes you wonder that you know, did Jonathan and Martha have, stay up late fighting about do we let people know Clark's an alien or not? And that just kind of kept running around in my head uh, when she was talking about watching him when he was little and always loving him and want, you know how perfect he was. That's a good. It's a good question. We don't know if her opinion has changed. I mean, the only let's see, I'm trying to think of like the only line she's had before is where she's trying to calm down Pete Ross's mother about the bus incident and then you know she gets mad about that clark uh you know basically said you're not my real dad or whatever and then she's just so like outstanding by it like she's uh she can't believe that he would say something like that so maybe she i guess you could argue either way i don't know like i would argue that this is her same opinion because she would never expect clark to say like yo, you're not my real dad. Like, she just expects them to be, like, one happy family. And, like, I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Nate? I think that, and I don't mean to be judging people. I don't mean to be judging lifestyle of people. But it seems like if Jonathan Kent was the whole super conservative farm guy from Kansas kind of mentality, it would seem like the household... Martha wouldn't want to stand up and stand her ground with with her opinion on if she wanted to out Clark as, as an alien and and out him with all these abilities. So it seemed like she kind of just took the back seat, literally and figuratively, um, <laughs> in the whole argument because it seemed like she's probably thinking Jonathan knows what's best, uh, yada yada. He's you know for lack of a better word and feel free to yell at me he's the man he knows what's best i should just you know take take the back seat on this so that kind of 
and it bugs me that I'm saying that. It really upsets me because I I don't think like that on a daily basis. I don't think like you know what what a man has to say is better than what a woman has to say. God no, quite I'm, the opposite. I'm yeah. very the I'm, right. yeah exactly. So no, um, it, but it seems like that would kind of fitting it fits because of Kansas. the stereotypical farmland Kansas conservative upbringing. Yeah, and yeah. um and and it would kind of make it seem like. That after Jonathan's death, Martha wouldn't be mad at Clark. She would kind of feel anger towards Jonathan and saying, you should have let Clark save you. You know he could have done that. Screw what the whole world has to think. You know, if they reject him, they reject him. Yeah, it's like if they reject him, they're (laughs) going to reject him. But we're still always going to love him. So it made it, it might seem like she's a little bit upset at Jonathan with him being so scared to come to the truth about their son Mm -hmm. um yeah so like that's kind of i think that they probably did stay up late and fight with each other with you know should we let them play with other kids should we let them join the track team yada yada kind of kind of deal so i'm I'm on that end i think they i mean i'm yeah yeah, we're kind of shoved down the throat of jonathan and martha kent being the perfect family but that's when jonathan's alive and lives to be an old aged man you know where they already yeah. see their son become superman this is a completely different world this is a completely different jonathan and martha kent um i can't say that martha does feel anger towards her deceased hus- husband but i think there's still a little bit of disdain and you know what could have been probably running through her mind constantly yeah well um to give a little peek behind the curtain i i live in texas uh through the joys of the internet, we're not all in the same room, surprise. But I live in Texas. I I live on a, a farm ranch right now. I grew up on one. My family wasn't like that, what you described. But I do know a lot of families that were like that. I mean, so you're not... That, that generation, you know, you're not making a wrong assumption there. Because, I, like I said, my family wasn't like that. But I did know some families that were like that where... Oh, it's it's the man of the house. It was still leave it to Beaver style, even yeah. through the the seventies and eighties and stuff. And so that you know is perfectly uh, viable. And to peek even farther behind the curtain, uh, I have a stepson. You know, it, it was my wife's kid, and definitely that dynamic is one that is very interesting and challenging. So. You know, as to what you want and and everything uh, for your kid, because they're your kid, but, you know, uh, like the line of, you know, well, you're not my parents and stuff. So it's it's definitely, you know, Jonathan had a lot on his shoulders, but I think how we went about things, uh, especially because later on, uh, I know we can't get too far into it, but. We kind of see him have a bit of a repeal of character, uh, the next when he pops up later on in the series and stuff. How you know, and so it's kind of it, it makes you wonder. But I, I think you did, you know, you hit the nail on the head there about how Martha was just like we say in the back seat, yeah, and letting Jonathan make the calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, I was agreeing with you, man. You kind of you kind of brought that to my attention. So yeah, no, good call. So you hit the nail on the head, good sir. <laughs> Um, I do like the fact that you, you brought up that we see more of the fathers in this film. Uh, there's, uh, I don't want to say a theory, 
or anything, but like there's a good observation that you can make about this film. Uh, if you take this film and the next film, so this film is really centralized around father figures and how they kind of have influence on the characters. And then the next film is really about the mothers because we see two Martha Kents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we two, see, two Marthas. Uh, we see Lex Luthor give birth to a doomsday. And then we also see uh, that uh, there's a ring given to Lois Lane. So there's uh, there's a lot you could do uh, or say about the mother figures yeah. in, in the next film. I, I hadn't heard that theory, but it makes sense yeah. you know because the you know and that's one thing that as much as they changed a lot of stuff in man of steel i do like that part of the superman mythos of he is who he is because of jonathan and martha that they still kept that going and and everything because if you look back at whether it be the original comics the radio show the george reeves i mean any iteration uh, they, you know, they really focus on how his dad, how Jonathan, and again, that comes from just good old boy working on a farm. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a dad has a huge influence on the son, and that's you know, something that like really, really plays up in this movie uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's all i got for this minute did you guys have anything else for this one no that pretty that was that was actually more than what i had to be honest with you so yeah <laughs> that's good yeah. good points all around <laughs> and when you guys said tangents i i'm don't threaten me with a good time i will tangent <laughs> minutes all the time but yeah that's really all i had for this one too i just like i said i had a couple of questions about the the asthma and the the powers which i think you guys i mean that totally the answers i that answered the question so yeah that's all i have awesome sounds good um we have plenty more to talk about this this is a really good week of minutes to be honest uh so i'm quite excited to talk more about this stuff so uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode if you love what you hear please leave us a great review don't forget to check out the night nerd podcast you can check out assemble the avengers all the shows that they got going on on their network um also if you leave a good review for us on itunes we will happily read them out to you on this podcast um in later episodes and if you're looking for other podcasts we have some other ones we have stellar dynamics which is the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things rush where every episode they go through one album from rush the band and they deep dive into every single track and they you know there's two music music theorists that go through it um and they're hilarious by the way and then we also have Honey Hold My Beer, which is just two gals who share craft beers and odd stories. And it's a pretty interesting and hilarious podcast to listen to. So go ahead and check those out. And we'll check you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.